Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce this next guest. She is currently the Senior Director of Community Engagement for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Please welcome Andrew Williams, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Yeah, excited to have you on, and yeah, I'm excited to have... um, you know, uh, a guest from my hometown. It's awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't think I realized you were from Jacksonville. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I grew up there and, uh, you know, spent my childhood years down there. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a great, it's a great time. I actually have family um, who still live down in the Jacksonville area. And it's funny because before, before the pandemic, I actually traveled down to Florida in February of uh, 2020, so like before, before everything got crazy, and I was like, "Wow, just think!" Like a month later, everything, everything, everything changed. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so. We went down to um, spring training, and we were there for the second to last day. We took some uh, season ticket holders down, and literally the next day, uh, the games were canceled. So we just missed it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how, you know, how things have, uh, how just perspective of, of that um, is pretty wild, but excited to have you on and, um, yeah, and to talk about everything Jumbo Shrimp, your career. So uh, kicking it off here, uh, you know, I'd like to start off by asking, you know, what role did sports play, uh, you know, growing up for yourself, whether you played, you know, any sports yourself or just going to games with friends and family? Yeah, well, you know, sports uh, from a spectator point of view was always huge in my household. <laughs> um, my family was, we're, we're actually huge Braves fans. Um, and we're also, you know, we were football fans, basketball fans, anything we could watch as a family um, was important to us. And then I was active myself, any sport I could play that kept me uh, out in, outside with friends and family. Uh, was good to go with me. I did play softball, uh, loved it. That was my favorite um, third base. And as a small child, I just knew I was going <laughs> to be the very first woman to play for third base for the Atlanta Braves. So, um, <laughs> growing up, you know, sports was a sports was a big deal for me. Um, never translated uh, in my mind that there was a career in it, um, but the love for sports itself was always there. Yeah, for sure. And talk about, you know, the lessons learned, you know, playing sports and even just being, you know, a fan of sports. Just talk about the lessons learned within sports that not many areas, you know, that many areas, you know, you don't get unless you, you know, are part of the sports environment. Yeah. So, you know, there are very few things uh, other than sports that teach you the level of perseverance that sports does. Um, you know, you have to battle through your, your own physical and mental barriers uh, and then translate that into a winning attitude, right? Uh, so it's it's definitely something that um, instills such a deep level of perseverance uh, inside of athletes. Uh, and then on top of that, you have a fierce sense of loyalty to team. Um, you know, when you play team sports, there is such a camaraderie amongst teammates, you have these teammates sometimes for the rest of your lives, right? 
So um, it develops that strong sense of loyalty and strong sense of teamwork. You understand when your team member needs you um, and you understand when you need to let your team member shine. So those are two of the things that playing sports teaches you um, that really translates well into actually working in sports. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned uh, growing up an Atlanta Braves fan. Was there a particular player you enjoyed watching, uh, you know, who played for the Braves when you were growing up and watching uh, them play? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm a kid of the 90s, so <laughs> the 90s Braves was our bread and butter. Uh, and I love watching them uh, play, you know, all of those guys, uh, the pitch in and everything. Um, was a huge Javi Lopez fan, which is um, – you know, kind of, you don't hear that too often. And then um, a huge Chipper Jones fan, of course, when he came around. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Um, yeah. Awesome. So talk about, you know, your time in college and, you know, where, you know, obviously the connection with sports business. Did you think about that or when did that become a thought? Say, hey, you know, I may not be playing, you know, on the field every day, but I can actually turn sports into career. Yeah, so <laughs> I actually had no idea, um, like I said earlier, that I just did not make that connection, <laughs> um, that you know there was an entire list of careers within the sport industry. I knew I always loved sports, and I knew there were athletes. I knew there were agents, uh, you know, team ownership and stuff like that, but just translating that into – uh, an entire business side, you know, there's people that help sell tickets to those games that I watch on TV, or there's somebody that, you know, makes those TV deals to even have, you know, give me the ability to watch my favorite team on TV. It just never translated for me. Um, so I went to college um, under the assumption that I would go into education uh, and with the hopes of eventually becoming a school superintendent. Uh, so that is where my educational tract um, was supposed to lead me. Uh, and I got about halfway through my second master's when I realized that um, the community relations side of the sport business existed. Um, through college, I was in, uh, well, I am in a sorority, a service-based uh, sorority. So I was already doing volunteer coordination. I was doing, um, you know, nonprofit relationship building and things like that. And had no idea that there was somebody that does that for sports teams. So when I found that, uh, I just kind of fell in love with it and uh, had, you know, a bullseye ahead of me for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and talk about, you know, your sports, your sports experience. Obviously, you've had multiple roles um, in ticket operations. You've been an account executive uh, for the Atlanta Dream. Uh, so talk about some of those early experiences that, um, kind of helped you in your role with the Jumbo Shrimp? Um, I'd like to think all of them had a, a special place in um, helping me to, to become the community engagement uh, representative that I am now. I started off in baseball as a merchandise um, intern. I don't get to talk about that much, but those were the days, man. I had absolutely <laughs> no idea what that meant, um, but I knew I got to design clothes and I ran, you know, the team store, the online store, and I really got a chance to dive into the business from a different perspective um, than most people and, and really engage with fans on a daily basis um, at the team store and through their online sales and stuff like that. So 
um, I was really able to kind of understand the culture of, you know, season ticket holders and how they interact on a regular basis and how they engage with their team of choice. Um, I was also able to uh, take that time with the River Bandits and really dive into ticketing. Again, uh, had no idea <laughs> what I was doing <laughs> when I started that role uh, running the box office, which uh, essentially later turned into ticket operations uh, on a little bit of a deeper level than uh, just running the box office. But I uh, had a chance to really understand um, the business side, you know, more than numbers, um, what it takes to uh, get fans in the building you know, what per caps mean and things like that. And um, was able to really kind of leverage all of those talents and skills for a sales job, uh, which is what I did with the Atlanta Dream. Um, in the Atlanta Dream, I learned how to connect with fans on a different level and really get into the revenue uh, side of the business, really kind of understand that a little deeper. And all of those play um, into what I do now uh, which is community engagement. And I tap into all of those different factors. So I like to say all of them, you know, benefited me in the long run. It uh, helped me become who I am today. Yeah, I love that. And you talk about your time as a merchandise intern. Obviously, internships are a phenomenal experience. You know, you get the experience and then, you know, it can lead to more. So talk about your strategy and what you did well there. Um, to actually land that full-time role um, with the River Bandits? Yeah, I just, I, well, first of all, it was low A ball. So the staff <laughs> is very, is very small there. It's not where you have, you know, 30, 40 people on staff. There, you know, I think there might've been 15 people at the most. <laughs> And, um, you know, you're running an operation the size that you're running it. So everybody has to do everything, right? Everybody wears every hat. Uh, and so I was really excited to be immersed in the world of sports. You know, I went on as many um, mascot appearances as I could. I, you know, worked in concessions when I could. I, I did whatever I could to understand as much as I could. And I was our general manager at the time, um, Stephanie Lonkerich, I was probably her annoying little shadow uh, <laughs> for that entire year. And so at the end of the season, you know, she had an opening in the box office and she just really came and told me I need you to do this for me. So that's kind of how I went from merchandise to ticketing. But really, it was just a desire to learn in a new space um, and make myself as present as possible, uh, as often as possible to learn as much as I could. For sure. And how important is that? Obviously, um, being in the minors, it's a very unique experience because you get to wear a lot of hats. So how important is it for, you know, college students who are looking for internships, um, you know, looking, you know, obviously uh, they may be looking at uh, the professional teams or things like that. Um, but how important is it to have be open to also the minor league opportunities and to be able to work and wear those many hats and have those opportunities where maybe in a major uh, league opportunity or internship, you may not always get that. Well, yeah, I tell people all the time, you know, don't underestimate minor league baseball. Uh, I know everybody, you know, has their sights on major league baseball, NFL, NBA, whatever you want to do. Um, but don't um, underestimate the value of the experience that you can get at the minor league baseball level. 
Uh, first of all, by sheer numbers, um, there is an easier opportunity to get selected. You know, there's only so many NBA teams, only so many uh, NFL teams, and, you know, everybody in your major wants those um, opportunities. And when you get there, you know, if it's a public relations internship, you're only dealing with public relations and likely only one aspect of public relations. Whereas if you're in minor league baseball, you get a general internship, or if you get a community relations internship or merchandise internship like I did, you, you do that job, but you get the opportunity to see and witness so many other different um, departments. And that could essentially open up your opportunity to meet and network with other people and then get the job that you really want down the line. Yeah, I love that. Being open-minded um, is huge, right? Not always necessarily falling in love with the logo or, you know, the fancy um, three letters, NFL, NBA. You, you always mm -hmm. got to be open-minded uh, to see what opportunities are best out there, right? Absolutely. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, everybody wants those, you know, three-letter major league jobs. Um, but if you work hard enough for minor league baseball, you could make the same amount of money that most of the people in the NFL and NBA teams are making. Uh, so I tell people, you know, sometimes people will say, well, don't you want to move up to, they call it moving up to, you know, major league baseball, you know, and I tell them, you know, I don't get called up like the guys on the field do. Um, you know, I'm able to make my salary what it is um, because I have the opportunity to sell and kind of, you know, supplement some income there. But what I make on my base salary is not necessarily drastically different than what an NFL community relations director is making, um, you know, at another team uh, or NBA. I've seen those numbers. They're not drastically different. So <laughs> don't, you know, don't just think just because it's minor league, you know, it's minor salaries. All sports salaries are not, you know, six figures. <laughs> You're yeah, just right. not going to make that for a long time. So. I try to tell people, just keep an open mind and, and go where the vibe is right. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, hit the nail on the head there. So I want to touch on your time with the Atlanta Dream and being an AE. Obviously, uh, sales are huge, right? Every every team, regardless if it's major league, minor league, um, you know, all teams, pandemic or not, you know, they got to sell uh, tickets. They got to sell things and products. So Talk about your time there, what you learned about being in the sales uh, field, particularly in sports and how, you know, what you enjoyed the most about that opportunity. Yeah, I loved the WNBA, Adam. I know, <laughs> um, you know, it's a tough product to sell. Um, a lot of you, you spend a lot of time convincing people about how good the product is. Um, I was drawn to it because there's a lot of similarities to minor league baseball. It's very family oriented, <laughs> um, very fundamental based, uh, the product on the field and on the court, very fundamental based. Uh, and it's meant to be a good environment for families, right? So I think that my time with Atlanta really showed me um, how, you know, you create the hustle, right? <laughs> so you have to go out, you have to find opportunities, you have to get creative, uh, you have to figure out how to bring families uh, to that sport. So I loved my time in the W. I loved the people that I met. Uh, my boss is still my mentor to this day. Um, but I think the WNBA is a great product and I hope um, 
I hope it continues to get the shine that it deserves. Yeah, for sure. And during your time there and in and, and the future, how did you see, you know, the growth of it? Um, and, you know, where do you see the future of the WNBA, um, you know, competing, you know, against the NBA and, and so forth? Um, where, what kind of growth did I see? Well, I got the opportunity, you know, the Atlanta Dream is doing some really amazing things. The WNBA in general, if you start to pay attention to some of these teams um, and their social media, you know, I'm obviously not involved in the day-to-day anymore um, with them, but they are really creating some amazing partnerships. Uh, and that is where the NBA and other major leagues have been successful is really finding um, creative partnerships to help, you know, expand the brand and find different ways to, to bring in revenue. Um, so the Atlanta Dream and, and the LA Sparks, the two teams that I follow the most, have really done um, amazing jobs in creating that space. And now, if you'll notice, the um, WNBA has really found a home uh, in their social justice space. And so you can see that their uh, fans really appreciate the stance that they've taken uh, on social justice issues and finding a way to connect with their fans on that level uh, and support their athletes in that way. I do think that um, sometimes people compare the NBA to the WNBA and product-wise. I just don't know if that's really a fair assessment. I think the WNBA might be 25 years old this year. So there's a lot of growth left to be had uh, and a lot of um, best practices that the NBA uses to help um, the WNBA grow. Uh, but I bet their growth model is is one to watch and pay attention to. I think we're going to be continuously um, surprised and supportive of their growth. And I really hope that they do get the growth that they deserve. For sure. For sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, you were an AE for the Lane of Dream and, and talk about that transition process to community relations. Um, you know, talk about how that opportunity came about. I mean, you mentioned a little bit earlier, but like going from, you know, the sales environment to uh, community relations, what was that process like? And how did, you know, what did, what was there any, you know, mentors that helped you along in that process? Yeah. So, um, I started in sports with the desire to be in community. Uh, And so Stephanie actually hired me as a merchandise intern to work underneath the then um, community relations director who also served as a merchandise director. Remember I told you we wear multiple hats. (laughs) So um, that was kind of her carrot, you know, like I need a merchandise person, but you're going to work under um, the, Uh, merchandise and community relations director. So I got a chance to kind of see the business from that perspective um, from an early start. And then when I got to Atlanta, because community is my heart, that's how I was able to be successful in what I was doing. I followed my heart. I was able to develop relationships with nonprofits or other organizations that wanted to um, create opportunities uh, for children or underserved communities. And that's how I was able to make Sales. So I always kept my hand in community in some way, um, but specifically uh, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, his name is Harold Craw, was the general manager in the Quad Cities uh, for a season while I was there and we met and always stayed in touch. And when he got the job in Jacksonville, he called me 
uh, and said, you know, hey, come down. I want you to check this out. I'm building my team. Well, he initially called me because he wanted me to come and um, do ticket operations because that is what he knew me. That's the space that he knew me in. And uh, through conversations with him and our vice president of sales, um, we just all came to the conclusion that community was the best space for me uh, in this specific market. Uh, so yes, it was a mentor that guided me um, to this particular role uh, and kept me in this role. And um, that's kind of how I had the path to community from a lowly merchandise intern. Yeah, I love that. And and you talk about community. I feel like that's huge. And, you know, not only in sports, like I feel like a, a lot of people want to make sure that they make an impact in others, um, no matter what it is. So how did you make sure that that was something that was always involved or somewhat related to what you were doing, regardless of the role that you were in? Uh, well, Adam, I don't feel like I try to do anything that's not authentic to myself. <laughs> you know, I try to stay authentic. And I am a person who, as I said, from the time I was in college, always found a way to give back in some way. Uh, and so I have to find a way to do that in whatever space that I'm in. Uh, so I can always try to figure out, you know, how to best impact from the platform that I have. Uh, and so that's kind of what I've been able to do. That's awesome. And being in the, you know, community engagement and uh, working with communities, um, specifically in Florida, you know, what do you enjoy most about that? And what, you know, what's the most rewarding part? What do I enjoy most is just the variety of people I get to impact, you know, using the brand. Uh, sports, I always call the great unifier. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, where you're from, how you grew up. Everybody enjoys a sport, a, a sporting event. And so you really do have fans from all different backgrounds um, coming out to the games or enjoying what, what it is that you provide, which is affordable family fun for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And so by leveraging that, I'm able to impact so many different types of people um, and that's really just a rare thing for people to be able to go to work every day and help someone. Um, so I just, I don't, I try not to take that for granted at all. And, and the most rewarding thing um, I usually talk about is our Jackson five program. Uh, so it's a program that we have with the local high school here and we take five uh, incoming freshmen every year and put them in our programs and we keep them all four years of high school. So at any given time, we have 20 kids in this program. And every year we provide them with an added level of exposure to sports. Um, one of the primary reasons is I, I mentioned earlier that I just had no idea uh, that there was a connection to the business of sport. And mm -hmm. so it's been kind of my lifelong journey to expose uh, children who come from backgrounds like myself to the sports industry. Uh, early on and let them decide, you know, just to show them that there are different alternatives to being involved in the sport besides playing. Uh, so we, you know, provide them with exposure to the sport on the marketing side, on the sales side, community side, even um, media relations. They write their own press releases. Wow. Uh, <laughs> they do it all. You know, they really have a high level understanding by the time they leave uh, the program as a senior of what it takes to run 
uh, a sports team. Uh, and it gives them four years of working experience before they ever set foot on a college campus. So we really wanted to make an impact and find a way to, you know, provide direct service to some of these students. Uh, so that's kind of our way to to give back. Wow, that's huge. And I, and I love that. Um, have you had, so do you, after that program is finished, um, are they able to continue like during college and uh, participate in some work opportunities. Um, and how, how have you, um, have there been successful alum, you know, that have come back and um, done additional internships during their time in college? Oh yeah. So even most of the time while they're in high school, most of them will work game days for us. Uh, once they're old enough, that's usually between their sophomore and junior year. Uh, they'll come and work game day. They've been bat boys. They've worked in the kids zones. They've done tickets, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, but when they go off to college, we encourage them to come back for internship opportunities. Uh, we just graduated our first class last year, um, and we have one student that's coming back um, this summer to work uh, while she's out, you know, for a summer for the for the summer from college. Um, other than that, they just come back and give you know hugs and kisses and <laughs> visit, make sure they come back to their old home. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that, and and you you know, touched on something, you know, having that opportunity, giving the opportunity, um, because you mentioned like you weren't, uh, you know, you didn't know that there was a, a, you know, opportunity for business of sports and all the roles. So um, what other initiatives is, you know, are you guys doing as an organization um, to help either promote that or what are, you know, as of you know, last year during the pandemic, what were even though there was no baseball, um, what were some of the initiatives that you guys were most proud of as an organization um, during those challenging times? So there's a couple of different things um, from an education perspective and making sure that we're exposing uh, students to the world of sports. We have an education day that we do, uh, and we provide. Um, just insight into what it means to be, you know, at the ballpark for a game. Of course, there's an entertainment side, but we have to slide in some educational perspective there. Last year, we did it virtually. Um, so we did some history stuff. We did some um, calisthenics stuff. Uh, we did geography, stuff like that. So we were able to show um, the students at home that, you know, they can be educational and related to their favorite sport as well. Uh, we also have last year started uh, what we call the High School Heritage, which is a game that we have during Black History Month. And we put two um, like histor historical rivals in Jacksonville against each other, Reigns High School and Reebok High School. And those baseball teams will play on our field. Last year, pre-COVID, we were able to bring out about 3,500 screaming kids mm -hmm. um, during the game. Uh, to help them cheer on their team from feeder schools, uh, from these programs, gave them lunch, um, but also educated them on the history of uh, the Negro Leagues, and specifically in Jacksonville. Uh, and we put those kids in uh, Red Caps uniforms, uh, which is the Negro League baseball team that was here in Jacksonville uh, in the earlier 1900s. And so we're able to continue to find ways to expose uh, the students, you know, educationally in that regard. And then some of the things we did in the pandemic, um, we wanted to make sure, just like everybody else, to highlight our local heroes. 
Uh, so we did do a hero program uh, where we had the fans nominate people in their uh, communities. Uh, and we were able to bring exposure to those folks. And then we did uh, COVID relief um, through ticket sales as well. Uh, and we did food deliveries. Uh, so we found a way to, you know, bring family meals um, and deliver those to uh, homes and had pickup days for those as well. For sure. And um, that's awesome. Uh, obviously, last year was, you know, a difficult year for everybody. But given that, you know, sports is a place that unifies a lot of communities and to see those initiatives, I'm sure, you know, despite the challenges, it was a lot of fun to see, you know, the organization have those initiatives and, and see it, you know, be succeed. Yeah. I mean, we were able to, Florida um, was obviously a little more relaxed in their COVID precautions <laughs> early on. Um, but we, when we shut down uh, the ballpark and went home and, and we were able to kind of assess our business and realize that we kind of needed to pivot um, you know, when there's not going to be any baseball, we have to kind of figure out what to do to keep the lights on, right? So we were able to provide um, a safety plan to the city of Jacksonville with us being one of the few outdoor facilities. Um, the city of Jacksonville entrusted us with the opportunity to uh, host the first public event after the pandemic started. Um, and we were able to, to show that we could safely host uh, events at the ballpark. So we were able to do everything from movie nights to bingo, um, to bat and practice on the field, things of that nature, uh, to continue to bring families uh, the opportunity to get out of the house uh, and still bring communities together while being safe and socially distant. So I yeah. think we <laughs> almost uh, 100 events last year, even without a baseball game. Yeah, that's huge. And and you talk about that, um, you know, pandemic or not, you know, as far as being on the community side and working in community relations, community engagement, you know, what do you, what is your assessment of, you know, some of the things that communities are, are most concerned with um, and, you know, sports organizations trying to help, um, obviously uh, the pandemic was one, but as far as, you know, education and and uh, social justice issues. Um, what are some things that the minor league baseball organization can get behind uh, for 2021? Yeah, I usually tell people, uh, Adam, that it, they really have to evaluate their own market. Um, you know, the Atlanta market is very different from Jacksonville, which is very different from the Quad Cities. Uh, so as you, I tell people all the time, you can't really cut and paste uh, you know, community programming, you have to kind of figure out what it is that your um, your market needs. And sometimes you got to ask them, you know, if you ask them and they tell you, uh, then that is, you know, the kind of the lane that your team can kind of get behind. Um, but what we have going on here is different from Reno, is different from Greensboro, is different from, you know, Des Moines, all of these different places have different needs. So I tell people to kind of, you know, figure out what it is that your needs are. Here in Jacksonville, we have different pillars uh, that we govern ourselves by based on the research that we did. And it does include education, you know, youth sports. Um, Jacksonville is a huge military town. Uh, so we include military appreciation in our community efforts. 
um, health and wellness, of course. And then we do have a civic engagement um, pillar as well and homelessness. So you just have to kind of uh, test your own market, figure out what the needs are. Uh, and then that's how you kind of govern uh, your community programming and figure out what your team needs to get behind. Yeah, for sure. And have you guys done anything or any surveys for the 2020 season? Are they done? Like, how does that work? Do you guys do them before the season or during the season or for the initiatives? Um, no, we did that um, when we first got here. Uh, but what we continuously do is figure out where we are impacting within those pillars uh, and figure, talk with the community partners and see if what we're doing is effective um, and just kind of get a, a better idea from the you know stakeholders what's needed. For sure. Make, total makes sense. And obviously, um, you know, community engagement um, is a little bit different from the sales environment, but sure. what are some, what are some successful metrics, um, you know, uh, that the Jumbo ship have been able to implement on the community relations side, um, you know, not just last year, but, you know, over, over uh, the last few years? Well, we do use uh, a lot of qualitative metrics. Uh, we do a lot of follow-ups with the people that we've, um, created partnerships with, excuse me, but on the quantitative side, uh, we do measure um, our uh, impact through impressions. Uh, so I've, you know, keep a log of where we're going, how many people are there, what we did, you know, what the impact was on that particular event um, so that we can kind of keep a track at the end of the year, you know, where we went, how many people, you know, got a chance to be impacted by what we did. So there's, you know, a little bit of quantitative uh, stuff, but a lot of it's qualitative, you know, figuring out was it worth it? What did we do? How did we impact? And is it something we should come back to at a later date? For sure. And um, obviously last year, you know, you guys still had events, still impacted the community without a game. So how powerful was that? Just to say, wow, like, it wasn't a game, but we impacted, we still had an impact in the community, even though there wasn't baseball on the field. Yeah. Um, I would say it was an amazing thing to look back at. Um, although we were not able to send our mascots out mm -hmm. uh, to anything. Um, and, you know, a lot of the community events were not um, happening. You know, normal walks went virtual things like that, we were still able to participate in community events uh, virtually. You know, people got really creative uh, and wanted our participation in various ways. Uh, so we were able to kind of um, still kind of provide impact where we could um, in a virtual setting. Um, but I think when I kind of look back at it, that 2020 was amazing for everybody, right? <laughs> and in so many different ways. And when we look back at, at what we were able to do, you know, nearly 100 events, um, socially distanced in our ballpark. And then on top of that, finding ways to um, uh, bring awareness to different things like the Red Caps and the Negro League Centennial, which was last year. Um, it's, it's really remarkable and, and really something that I can be proud of, you know, when I sit back and reflect on my years of work, it's, it's, definitely up there uh, in terms of things I can be proud of. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, 
So what are, obviously, for those who are coming into college or just leaving college um, and entering the workforce, um, what are some best practices for leveraging your network um, to create that successful career? Obviously, you had key mentors, you know, from early opportunities. What were some best practices you leveraged uh, to stay in touch? I always tell people, um, well, someone told me this long time ago, but it's not about who you know, but it's about who knows you. Uh, and who knows you is based on genuine um, relationships, right? It's not the standard, hey, how you doing on LinkedIn every six months? <laughs> it's it's like genuine conversations, you know, does that person know what your interests are? You know, do they know some of the projects you're involved with? Do they know your last name? Like, are they, are they, you know, having any type of interpersonal relationship with you? And those are the people that are going to fight for you behind closed doors. Um, so I always tell people, don't just, um, you know, run the numbers up in terms of who you can connect with, like on LinkedIn and things like that, but start building genuine relationships with the people, um, you know, that are even in your peer group because uh, everybody's going to start to spread out eventually, right? And so you're going to create uh, this network of people among several different teams uh, that can potentially benefit you in the future. So make sure that you're building quality relationships and make sure you get your resume looked at professionally. Um, go to career services, get mm -hmm. it looked at, make sure it doesn't have any grammatical errors because you're going to be giving this information to the people that you're that are entrusting you and you want to make sure you're giving them a quality product don't give them something that they have to send back to you or something that they can't brag on you with for sure for sure don't uh don't have errors in resume cover because if that occurs they may they may over overlook it right <laughs> yeah i mean i tell i'm pretty hard on my mentees about it you know that that is your first opportunity to um, present yourself to someone most times. Uh, so put the effort in to make it right and, and give somebody something that they can be proud of, that they know yeah. you and that they're trying to help you out, you know? Sure, I love it. And with the season um, coming up for the Jumbo Shrimp, are you guys um, actively recruiting for interns in, in multiple areas? Yeah, well, we're just about done. I mean, we're, we've already had orientation and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, most times you'll want to start with baseball around November, October, November, December, because uh, those positions start filling up as early as January because uh, they try to get you in before the ramp up of the season starts. Uh, so I always encourage people as soon as the season ends is when you should start looking for opportunities in that league. Uh, so that kind of helps people understand the cycle of, uh, you know, whatever league they're trying to get into, helping them make sure they don't miss the windows for the job opportunities. Awesome. Awesome. And then for for those who, you know, were hired, you know, what do you look for specifically in candidates? And does working is, you know, obviously does working in sports, is that a prerequisite or do you hire also individuals who, have, you know, a variety of experience as well. 
I think it depends on uh, what the position is. Um, for internships, I think everybody has to start somewhere. Uh, so it's really just about seeing the effort uh, and kind of what you've been doing in the past. Um, I think it's always good and everybody, you know, wants to do, you know, 15 different internships, but everybody <laughs> has to start with one, their first internship. You know, it's like, how are you supposed to get experience in sports if you don't have experience in sports and nobody hires people who doesn't have experience in sports. And so it's like some, you know, come crazy cycle, um, but everybody has to start somewhere. So I don't necessarily uh, look for that for internship positions. Um, I look uh, specifically for if I'm doing something community-based, I look at their uh, extracurricular activities. Are they doing anything on their campus uh, to promote community? Uh, are they doing anything within their major uh, to help with that? Not necessarily um, their class load, but what are they doing outside of that, uh, which is going to kind of show me their heart for community. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, the community is huge. And um, obviously, minor leagues, you wear a lot of hats. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, what is, you know, as far as like hiring teams and things like that for new opportunities, what does that look like um, for you guys heading into the season for new opportunities uh, in the near future? Well, you know, all sports have high turnover. So I tell people to always <laughs> keep their eyes open. Uh, you never know, you know, when something's going to pop up or what the needs are as the business changes. You know, every business evolves every year. Uh, so figuring out the needs uh, and how that translates into open opportunities, um, you know, can it can move very quickly. So I always tell people to kind of keep your eyes open. For sure. For sure. I love that. And, and being in Jacksonville, um, you know, it's definitely a great place to be. Um, what is your favorite part about, you know, being in the area or and working, you know, in Jacksonville? Well, you know, you, you're from here, but I think <laughs> Jacksonville has it all. You know, you can live whatever type of life you want to live in Jacksonville. If you want to boat all day, you could do that. If you want to be on the beach all day, you could do that. If you want to go to museums or botanical parks or things like that. Uh, Jacksonville has a little bit of it all, and that's what I've kind of learned to appreciate about it. Uh, you know, that it's there is a really um, large art space here, um, which is something that I've grown to appreciate, and that's all mediums. It's theater, uh, it's um, instrumental stuff, it's uh, parks and, and, and murals, you know, neighborhood murals. Uh, so Jacksonville has some really, really dope um, art, and then it also has a lot of historical perspectives that you can check out. Uh, so I've always, you know, come to enjoy that about Jacksonville. Yeah, for sure. I got to love it. And for the jumbo shrimp, what is your favorite part about game day? Ooh, when the gates swing open. <laughs> I think there's nothing better um, than hearing the gates, you know, swing open when they yell, open them up over the radio. <laughs> and you know that, you know, all of your months of hard work um, are going to finally be enjoyed by the people that you do it for. And you're seeing the families come in. The kids are excited. They're, you know, they, they've got their oversized hats on and they're, 
you know, their clothes are too big, you know, they've got their large, you know, jerseys on and they're just super excited to be there. And you've got, you know, 50% of our fans that come through the gate are coming for the first time. And so to see that look on people's face um, when they come in the ballpark and enjoy the product that you spent so much time putting together is, is got to be my best part, my favorite part of the game. Yeah, I love that. When the lights come on and uh, the announcement says play ball, is nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing better than that. Um, That's right. So there's also, you know, this year the Jumbo Shrimp are going to be, they got a promotion to Triple A. Yeah, we did. And, <laughs> that's awesome. That's exciting. You guys will be the now Triple A affiliate of the Miami Marlins. So how exciting is that? And how much does that strengthen the relationship uh, with the Miami Marlins now? Well, I mean, Adam, that's, a, you know, who doesn't want to get called up, right? So <laughs> I think, you know, that is a true testament of um, how strong our relationship with the Marlins has been. Um, our relationship has been so fruitful these last uh, few years, and I credit that to our owner, Ken Babby, and our um, general manager and executive vice president, Harold Craw. Uh, they really nurtured that relationship, um, and, and both sides made sure it was right. And when the time came, um, you know, we had the opportunity to, um, to do something really special. So we're super excited. We've also been chosen by the Marlins to be their alternate training site. Uh, so that is um, a new initiative. I believe it started last year. Don't quote me on that. Um, but I think it's, it came out of the COVID uh, protocols. But there's um, uh, an alternate training site. So the Marlins are actually in town now um, <laughs> playing. And so, um, you know, the, the whole opportunity, it's new for the majority of us. I think maybe there's one person on staff or two who have ever worked for a triple a club. So there's a lot of um, learning to still be done. Um, but we are just so excited about the opportunity to represent the Marlins in this way uh, and provide, you know, triple a baseball to the people of Jacksonville. For sure. And how important is it? Obviously um, coming up from double a, how important is it to have that? And then also to improve you know, just enhance the community aspect, not only in Jacksonville, but also partner being a partner with the Miami Marlins and have the community impact uh, for their organization as well. Yeah, well, the Marlins um, are very committed uh, to community outreach. You can tell that just by the uh, outreach that they've done down in Miami. Um, they're, they're huge in making sure that they're good quality neighbors, just like we are here in Jacksonville. Uh, and that translates into what they expect from their players uh, and their coaching personnel in any city that they go in. Um, so they've been extremely supportive in our community efforts. Um, every team is still trying to figure out what that looks like um, in regards to player appearances, you know, in spite of COVID. Um, so we're still, everybody's still working through those protocols to make sure everybody remains safe, um, but yet impactful. Uh, so the Marlins have given us their full support uh, in finding ways to, you know, leverage the players uh, in our community and make sure that we're able to uh, have what we need in order to, you know, impact the city of Jacksonville, uh, leveraging the Marlins. Oh, that's awesome. And I know uh, Jacksonville is excited because obviously, um, you know, with the AAA affiliate now, 
you guys will have a chance to not only see uh, the prospects move up, but also uh, minor leagues when they the, the major league players come down, um, you know, to the AAA affiliate when they, you know, either rehabbing or things like that. So uh, that's going to be a pretty cool experience down there uh, in Jacksonville for the combination of seeing major league players and then also seeing the players come, the minor league players come up through the ranks. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> want to see, you know, high quality, high caliber baseball? Um, the great thing about it is most of the guys that have moved up were jumbo shrimp the, the year prior, you know, in 2019. <laughs> so we get to see a lot of the same familiar faces. Some of these are becoming, you know, hometown names. Um, so that's great. And then we're going to have the opportunity to see some major league players, I'm sure, at some point, like you said, come down. You know, the Marlins were really good um, last, last year. So it'll be good to see them, you know, provide a great product on the field, um, with their development staff and it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. It's always huge. You know, you have to, you know, the minor leagues is a great place to be. And if I was to get some jumbo shrimp gear, where would I go for that? (laughs) Yeah. You'll want to hit up our team (laughs) store, uh, jackshrimp.com, J-A-X-S-H-R-I-M-P.com. You can get your tickets there. You can get your merch there. Uh, You can check out what we're doing in the community there. Um, You can catch it all right on that website there. Andrea, I appreciate you coming on this evening. If people want to reach out to you uh, personally, if they have any questions or just want to talk about, you know, the community engagement that you guys are doing, uh, what's the best way uh, to reach out to you? Yeah, best way to catch me is through email. Uh, And my personal email is Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A, at jackshrimp.com, which is J-A-X-S-H-R-I-M-P.com. Awesome. Well, I love it. I might be coming down to Jacksonville this summer, so (laughs) maybe I'll be catching a Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp game uh, during my stay. (laughs) Well, please do. As a welcome home (laughs) gift, you can be my personal guest. (laughs) Awesome. I will definitely, uh, definitely be in touch with that. So, Again, I do appreciate you coming on the pod, and um, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I love what you're doing, Adam. Keep it up. Thanks so much, Andrea, and uh, you take care. You too. Have a great day.